0: Hello everybody and welcome to the New Books Network. I'm Deidre Tyler. Today we'll be talking with Dr. Sandra Cavallo-Miller, author of Where No One Should Live. How are you doing today, Dr. Miller?
1: I am great. Thank you so much. Please call me Sandra.
0: Okay, Sandra, can you tell the audience a little about yourself and how you became interested in this project? Absolutely.
1: Um, I spent most of my career
0: as a family physician, as
1: an academic family physician, which means I taught the residents. It's a three year residency program after you graduate from medical school to become a family physician. And I worked at the residency program teaching those teaching and supervising those residents which is very pertinent to this book because residency training is a big part of it. I was in private practice for 10 years prior to that. So I did have a lot of practical experience seeing patients as well. Um, But I had this unusual college degree in creative writing, which is pretty unusual for a physician. And when I retired at age 65, I decided I was going to try my hand at writing some novels about women physicians, because there's almost no novels about women physicians. There are crime scene novels about, which tend to feature women, uh, women pathologists, and they're very entertaining. And some of them have been wildly successful, but they're not very realistic. And I really wanted to focus on the everyday life of a woman physician, mostly in the outpatient situation. Most Stories, films, TV shows you see about physicians right now are in the really high pressure, high activity, high risk areas such as surgery, the emergency room, inpatient hospital medicine. Very little as an outpatient. So that was my that was my vision, and uh, this particular book, um, I really wanted to write about public health and what a public health physician does because i admire those people who i know are in public health and people have no clue really what their day-to-day life is like i'd also written three novels about a family physician who was working at the clinic at the grand canyon on the south rim this is a real medical clinic i know a lot of people who work there a lot of both male and female physicians who work there and i knew a lot of their stories so that was great fun but i was ready for a change and this one is also takes place in downtown Phoenix in the summer, which is a setting that almost nobody has ever put into fiction as well. So I was trying a lot of firsts with this. I was having a lot of fun with the residency training piece of it, because I love showing that there's good and bad doctors, that there's good and bad patients. Uh, it makes for a good story. It makes it entertaining. And I'm also intrigued by the concept of doctors gone bad, doctors who are not ethical, who are doing things they shouldn't, and a little bit of um, a psychopath who is a a character in this story as well. And sometimes bad doctors slip through the cracks. You read about this every now and then, and it's kind of scary.
0: Tell the audience a little about the character what was the development process about? How did you get that theme?
1: Um, I, I, I pronounce it Maya. I think either pronunciation is correct. So I'll, I'll be referring to her as Maya, but um, she's, she's based on some people I know, but pretty much, um, she is a very interesting character because she has, carries a secret with her, which is a previous injury that, She's not disabled really, but if she were doing private practice or doing practice where she was on her feet all the time, it would probably take a toll on her. She also found herself very interested in research and public policy, which drew her to public health. Um, and she's completely dedicated to improving the healthcare systems, including especially infectious diseases, which is always a challenge right now. Now, this book was written. I finished the first draft of it right before COVID started. So it is not about COVID, Um, which many people, when I tell them that, say, thank goodness. Um, So you will not find this about public health in the time of COVID, although those books will be coming and, and a lot of the political challenges to physicians in public health at that time. But this is not that book. Um, And I also wanted her to very much be a real person. She cares for her elderly patients. She studies a great deal to help create policy. She's close to her neighbors. And part of her job is educating the public and other physicians. So a very well-rounded and very busy person who also finds herself in a difficult personal relationship. All of this is based on conglomerates of
0: real life. How did when the death of her horse, how did that change her life?
1: That's that's a great question. The horse is a real metaphor for Maya's change in life and, and her growth during this story. This was her childhood horse that she was taking care of in her backyard. She lived on the edge of a mountain preserve, so she was able to do this. It was a, a neighborhood that had small horse properties. And it's also at a time when her parents are failing and her association with the horse is tied to her association with her parents. And she reluctantly agrees after this horse is gone, she reluctantly agrees to take on a new young horse as a favor to a friend that she keeps in her backyard. But this horse is difficult. It's, it's not easy to get along with, it's not broken. And it also is a metaphor for her facing the new challenges In her life, a lot of people don't get that, so I'm really glad you got that. (laughs) That that, but it's a shift for her in her view of the world, her parents, her partners, and her personal relationships.
0: Now, what about her relationship with people on her job, the people she work with?
1: I focus on the people she works with the most closely. In in real life there would be a lot more people, but I focus mostly on her administrative person, her administrative secretary who helps organize all of the things that she's working on, organizes her public appearances and speaking. Um, And that woman who is an older woman is just priceless to her, and she's extremely fond of her. They have a wonderful relationship. And uh, she's especially close to one of her physician colleagues who is also an older man. He's old enough to retire, but had left his private practice to, to do this kind of work because he enjoyed it. And he is mostly working with opioid regulations. I didn't feel like you could talk about public health without talking about the opiate problems and how... It's important that we continue to work on creating workable and reasonable policies to help control the opioid situation, which is still not great.
0: Tell us about how you developed this theme with two doctors and romance.
1: Oh, yes. So so she she spends a day a week at the nearby residency program where she sees patients for a half-day and teaches the residents for a half day. This is not required of a public health physician, but I know public health physicians who do this because they don't want to lose their skills at taking care of patients. They think it keeps them grounded in the reality of what doctors face, especially when they're trying to make policies and improvements. And there is another physician who works as faculty at that residency program, who is a very interesting kind and very quirky man who used to be a chess champion. And just so you know, I wrote this before Queen's Gambit came out because <laughs> people always say, oh, you tried to do King Queen's Gambit. And I'm like, no. Um, but there are a lot, of, a lot of you know, bright and obsessive people who are very drawn to chess. So it really fits him. His name is Alex. And so he and Maya see each other once a week when they are teaching together. And they slowly develop this respect and caring for each other. It develops very slowly throughout the book because Maya at the time has a, another relationship with a cardiologist who's who's very, well, pretty obsessive. And she f- discovers that he's also pretty controlling as time goes by.
0: Now, there were many social problems that you talked about. Explain to the audience some of the social problems that you wrote about in the book. For example, women living alone, people getting sick,
1: Right. I, I mean, any woman who's lived alone knows that it's it can be frightening. You know, there's a there's a knock on the door. There's commotion in the neighborhood. Women are pretty vulnerable. Um, we're physically less strong. And that's just a fact of life. And we're not terribly physically intimidating, at least not most of us. And so this is always a concern. Women living alone. Um, Maya is very independent. She absolutely enjoys living alone. She's a fairly solitary person. And um, she spends a lot of her time studying and she's right now working on trying to improve the house that her parents, she's living in her parents' old house that's a bit run down. And, And so I think a lot of that comes up, especially when there's trouble in the neighborhood and she is targeted. One of her passions is to improve the motorcycle helmet laws in Arizona. There used to be a mandatory motorcycle helmet law in Arizona but it was voted back out oh, 30 some maybe 40 decade 40 years ago and she would like to bring it back because of the deaths and 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 horrible disabilities created by motorcycle accidents without helmets. And so she is targeted by a local motorcycle gang and uh, they are harassing her and they find where she lives, and they're harassing her at home. And so this this gets to be a pretty scary theme. Um, it was also really fun to write. Um, but uh, you know, also you said with illnesses, even if people say you're at a social event, even if people don't know you're a physician, if somebody gets really sick, say somebody has chest pain, can't breathe, um, you you never clock out. You're still available. You of course you would help in any situation. And, um, and so that's, that's another form of stress on you. Most doctors are protected by good Samaritan laws if they try to help in an unknown situation and there's a bad outcome. They're protected from the liability there. Most of the time, they would have to do something incredibly egregious to, to be called at fault. You almost never hear that. Um, there's also the, uh, the social problems of elderly patients that you have, this is a tremendous problem. Elderly patients living alone that you're trying to help take care of, they have limited resources. Um, this this is a huge problem in this country because our extended family systems usually are not as robust as they are in some societies. And so this is pointed out with one of her patients.
0: What is the overall message you want to leave your reader with? That's a great question.
1: Um, Mostly that physicians are human, that physicians have the same worries and joys as everyone. They're often very quirky, um, but that's often because they have, uh, do have a lot of anxiety. Um, most, most people have some anxiety, but doctors are always worried about making a mistake, making an error, creating a problem for a patient. This never leaves your mind. Sometimes the tiniest, littlest symptom can be the first sign of a cancer. Excuse me. (coughs) And so, you know, I think that makes uh, doctors pretty pretty quirky and strange in some ways. But I also wanted to show that women physicians are equally, (coughs) I'm so sorry. They show that women doctors are equally capable as male doctors. And so I consciously have strong female and strong male physicians in the story. And also I have flawed physicians of both genders in the story to to show that balance. I also wanted people to have a better grasp of public health and of primary care and learn some medicine. And while they're at it, they get a little glimpse into some psychopathology with a very difficult character.
0: Well, we've taken up a lot of your time. What is the next project you'll be working on?
1: I have a new book coming out next fall, a new novel coming out next fall. It's called Out of Patience. patients spelled like a person, patient, medical patient. And this one is a, a new adventure. I'm really excited about it. It is about a 58 year old woman, family physician who is burned out. She's depressed. She's thinking of quitting medicine early rather than waiting till retirement age. And she's giving herself one more year to find her way back to enjoying her career. Um, And it's the first novel I've written in first person. So that was a good challenge. The present and past tenses are a little bit squirrely sometimes when you're writing in first person. And it also includes a really strong secondary character who is her almost 90-year-old mother who lives out in Sun City, which is a suburb of Phoenix that is restricted to older people. Children can't live there. And it was the first uh, community in the country who created that restriction. Uh, You could argue whether that's a good idea or not. And it comes up a little bit in the book. Um, so that one comes out next fall. Like I said, I'm really excited about it. It talks a lot about how physicians can struggle with depression in medicine. And, uh, right now I am working on the sequel to that.
0: That sounds like a great book. Thank you so much for being on our show today.
1: I really enjoyed this. Thank you so much.